0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hello and welcome to Broke and Ambitious with me, Francis Keaton. Each episode, I speak to a professional creative about how they got into the arts and how they managed to survive. We will be talking good day jobs, bad day jobs, and weird day jobs, and you can expect lots of advice and top tips on saving money and staying creative. And my guest today is Neil Craig. Neil trained at Manchester School of Theatre and his notable TV work includes Emmerdale, Coronation Street and the HBO series A Girl's Guide to Depravity. Stage credits include Captain Hook in Peter Pan, Derby Theatre, Iago in Othello with English Theatre Hamburg, Young Billy in Swallows and Amazons, the National Theatre, Bristol Old Vic and Neil is a former member of Propeller Theatre Company and has toured nationally and internationally with the company. He has also appeared at The Globe, Keswick Theatre by The Lake, The Orange Tree Theatre, Edinburgh International Theatre, and London's West End. He is a writer, stand up comedian, and a founder member and associate artist of the 1623 Theatre Company. Here's my conversation with Neil Craig. Neil, Neil Craig, the very man. How are you?
0: I'm very well. Francis Keaton, how are you?
1: Yeah, um, I'm okay, thank you. Yeah, not not the best, but considering the circumstances, you look gorgeous. We did realise a few moments in that he had Uh, one of those, uh, (laughs) unintentionally, had one of those filters on Zoom that airbrushes you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) he said, My God, you look well. I went, Hang on a minute, switch it off.
1: Oh, there it is. And now my retinas are burned,
0: so. Can
1: you imagine if you tuned into this right now? You'd be like,
0: good lord. Well, well fingers crossed, Francis, someone will, because that's why we're doing it.
1: At this point in life, I'm just so happy that all the technology is working, because this is a virtual podcast episode, so we're doing this via Zoom. Neil is in lovely southwest London. Mm. Won't say where, because of the they'll, fans.
0: They'll, I mean, they'll just go, they'll, they may not find me, so could you give them my address? So. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs>
1: Yes, 16 Merrifield Avenue, <laughs> Crystal Palace <laughs> That's that's a made-up address It's not, it's not <laughs> So you're in South West London And I am. you've been keeping yourself very protected And cooped up during this whole pandemic I have indeed,
0: yes I'm, I'm what they're known as clinically vulnerable So uh, I have to keep myself tucked away At least that's my excuse for not getting any work And just basically finishing Netflix <laughs>
1: You've completed that level. Oh
0: okay. yeah, I've done. I've done Netflix. So old hat.
1: It's, I can't believe it's been pretty much a year. A year of
0: nothingness. It scared me the other day when I was walking after my uh, daily exercise, seeing Christmas trees in people's rooms. Uh, I mean, it'll be even weird if it was on the side of their houses. But but like <laughs> but like actually seeing Christmas trees and Christmas decorations. And I, I, I know it's like towards the end of November. So of course there is, but it's just as you say, it's scary mm. because mm. the last time I, <laughs> last time I was working, uh, was when I came back from Storyhouse in Chester in January, yes. which was a Christmas show, and that feels like yesterday. And now we're heading towards Christmas, so it's it's a very strange time to realise you've genuinely done nothing all year.
1: I know I've done your introduction, and it was mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Honestly. Such an incredible bio. Well, I we
0: did it for a long time, so yeah. there's that as well. Time's on my side as well.
1: How long have you been doing it for?
0: Nearly 13 years.
1: Wow, that's amazing. When did you begin acting or performing?
0: Uh, as soon as I woke up this morning. Uh, no, um, the cliche thing is, you know, when I was when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be an actor. But it's true, I was at primary school, and i I wanted to be an actor. I told my head of school that I wanted to be an actor, and they were very supportive. They actually put me in A Christmas Carol when I was 10 as Scrooge so that was my wow. first my first theatre credit at primary school that was, and that was I was playing Ebenezer Scrooge in a very condensed I think it was a 15 or 20 minute version of A Christmas Carol heavy cutting heavy cutting uh, <laughs> but no yeah that was it and then I, I wanted to be an actor nearly all my life nearly all my life and then I wanted to be a rock star
1: oh yeah gear change when did that come well, about, that, the rock That's style?
0: crazy. Basically, I wanted to be an actor in my life. I was a class clown, mm-hmm. always trying to make my mum laugh uh, as well and things. But then when I hit puberty, I became an <laughs> asshole. No, uh, I basically <laughs> just got into, uh, as a lot of people did my age in the early 90s, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, the, the, all that mm. kind of thing. Mm. Then I got into Metallica, Lemonheads, all this kind of stuff. And then I decided that I wanted to be in a band. And I was. we I was in many bands from the age of... 14 all the way through until when i quit in when i was 20, 24 but yeah but it, but the later bands we were in you know kerrang magazine the, I do. Still, yeah, yeah i used to so get we were, it we were in you know we were in kerrang magazine a lot we we had a whole article about us uh, we were called imogen uh and uh that was the last band i was in and we uh released eps we toured we nearly got signed to university of america this is Back in two thousand two, so it's a long time ago. Uh, But that was a totally other life. So that I totally threw threw myself into that, and then I quit and decided to throw myself back into acting, and then another look back.
1: I've seen pictures of you uh, in this time, and you had the look down. You had really long hair. You had the sort of heavy metal T-shirt. I think you had a few bracelets. (laughs) Is that
0: a lot of bracelets? I think that was. I mean, you've got to remember. You know that was. (laughs) That used to be cool, Francis.
1: Um, you also had a brief modelling stint. Thanks thanks a lot, Francis. Uh, yes.
0: In I the mean, days briefing. when you didn't
1: need an airbrush filter on Zoom.
0: Yeah, and, and when I had hair as well. Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely right. Uh, I, I was in the semi, semi-final of the Millennium Model Competition back in 2000. <laughs> so thanks for bringing that
1: up. I'm not surprised at all because you are a very good-looking man.
0: Older man, very good-looking older man. Thank Thanks,
1: intentional awkward silence left after that <laughs> was said. So I'm just going to let that hang in the air. And you, you grew up Derby. in Derbyshire, yes. In
0: the city of Derby.
1: As many good people are, famous actors. But then you went to Manchester... Manchester
0: School of Theatre.
1: Yes, very cool. And did you
0: enjoy that time? I did indeed, yes, absolutely. Good. I mean, I learned so much when I was there. I mean, I'm, lo- you know... A lot of people go to drama school, going, I'm going to be famous, I'm going to be a star. I literally went to drama school going, I know nothing. That's That was that was essentially my attitude, because I knew I didn't. I was a little bit older as well. I was kind of 25, so I was kind of like... I was a little bit older, so I was just a bit... I'd done a lot up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd kind of... Dis- this was a decision, not, not a rushed decision, because I wanted to stay in education. I'd never done higher education, so... Being able to go to drama school and earn a degree was was incredible. But yeah, it was an amazing time. Learning the alumni were people like Julie Walters, Steve Coogan. You know, so kind yeah. of, like, and some of the teachers. One of the teachers, especially, uh, I won't name names. Let's call him Brian. He's not good, Brian. <laughs> it's good, Martin. Oh no, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, he he trained Steve Coogan. So so like he, wow. He would he I think he would often name drop. So we'd often go oh yeah yeah. Remind, you remind me of Steve you remind me of Steve so that's the kind of thing that he would say so it was, Steve <laughs> Kingman
1: was he was he Tom Waits that no, he did, This is
0: exactly. I'm joking apart this is exactly how he sounded the reason Love why it. I wanted to go to Manchester because I had no intention of wanting to go to Manchester at all I auditioned for Lambda RADA Oxford School of Drama all these places but then I on my audition for Manchester it was him this guy this Brian mm. he <laughs> he basically was the reason why I wanted to go there he went right then Right, look, it ain't London. This place, this is Manchester. If you expect it at a London school, there's the door. Fuck off. If you want to be trained <laughs> as an actor, stay here. I genuinely believed everything that happened before that brought me to that point. So it was just I was genuinely like a sponge, just soaking yeah. everything up, and and that. So yeah, it was it, it was an amazing time.
1: Fantastic. And uh, Neil, did you find it easy to get work after graduating?
0: No. So what I did, I when I graduated. I didn't, I, ha- I got an agent, not a very good one, and I decided to try and get jobs myself because I wasn't getting anything. I think I'd I, I become deluded because my first job while I was at drama school was Coronation Street. So I basically was wow. in my third year because obviously it's only filmed up the road from the drama school. So I like did mm. did that while I was still at the drama school and I was thinking, this is it, man. Neil, you're a star. Downey Downy Jr., watch <laughs> out. You know, it was a real kind of wake-up call because then after that I got nothing but then my my fortunes changed there's a theater company called odd socks uh they've been going for 20 years now they're based in derby mm. which i didn't know they were casting for their next summer tour and it was like equity rates so i said oh well, i may as well and i didn't realize they're based in derby so i contacted them and said based in derby mm. i got the audition i went along i had to do a comedy spe- i had to do a shakespeare speech but make them laugh with it so a serious speech but make them laugh with it so I went and did it made them laugh went back again made them laugh again and I got the job and then I toured and then I did did two tours with them back to back uh, which gave me enough money to move to London it also gave me the opportunity to get a new agent and that all happened within five months all of it
1: fantastic and you have been doing that ever since you've been a working actor and it is so impressive I have I've been very lucky we met doing one of these sort of fabulous day jobs while we're pursuing acting but i'm interested in hearing what has been your best
0: day job Uh, i've got two answers for a period of time the best was the job where we met um i won't say what the job is where we were but it, it was kind of it was kind of historical performance based, wasn't it? It was all very kind of interactive, and we had a lot of freedom to explore, to be funny, to to engage, and then it, so that was brilliant because it you, you were, yes. I wasn't constrained. So um, that, but I also used to work at the London Bridge Experience, similar thing where I mean I'm talking ten nearly ten years ago. It was great. It was fantastic, and again I learned a lot. You start to learn a lot because then you, you you refine your. Improvisation skills. So yeah, actually, again, yeah. you were expected to write your own show for every room that you did. So if you did, if you did the London, the Fire of London room, as long as you had certain facts mm-hmm. in there, you totally create your own show and your own character. And it's the same with every other room. So that's mm-hmm. what made it fun. It helped define everything that happened later on in life and who I am, what I do now. Which you know, you don't realize these things actually have massive impacts and actually, you're continually training. You're still learning. And you know, any any actor or performer who says they know it all. I would say, Jack, Jack the job in mate, because that's bollocks. If you th- if that's what you think, then you're no good. To I
1: completely agree that these jobs are so good for formation because, um, you know, when you're at drama school, when you're acting, you're given a script. You think you you've done improvising, but you haven't actually done it in the real world. So you learn your lines, you're in character. That's great, but then doing the job that we did, where you're improvising in character, that's totally different because you're not. I'm not. I'm not Francis improvising. I am. Captain Longshanks
0: yes, improvising Ah, oh, I'm as listening.
1: a captain. So, I mean, it's just, it really is, yeah, it's so, so formative.
0: It is. And, it, and what a lot of people do when they improvise, they worry about looking foolish, which I find a bit mm. odd because you kind of go, well, well that doesn't matter because when you're improvising as a character, <laughs> you're not looking foolish. The character's looking foolish. Completely.
1: I have a fond memory of doing this job. We'd come up with a kind of scheme for kids together, hadn't we? And it was like a half term sort of activity yes. kit based around pirates. I wrote a song, you performed the song, you came up with an entire script. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, we had fun. Um but we were trying to we were trying to get punters involved weren't we yes. and so we stood on the the corner of a cobbled street in london bridge you were, we were both dressed as pirates you was, oh i was playing the violin yeah. some sort of little like sea shanties and you were just going up to people in character yeah. as some sort of captain hook character <laughs>
0: my anyway, darling, now you be a pirate. You, lo- 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 you know, just absolutely, just make me. <laughs> we we had yourself. some good times
1: there. We, we you did. made it worthwhile. It was so cold, you know, standing outside. So, but as you uh, said, those jobs were good because they are very flexible as well. so you're, you're yes. working, you're acting muscles. You are also able to swap shifts and go to auditions. And these kind of jobs yes. are very, very useful. Unfortunately, yeah, though, yeah. with those jobs because they're so flexible, you're not treated with the hugest amount of respect. <laughs>
0: no not and you not don't get any, uh, you
1: don't get perks you? you don't get a holiday you don't get any of that kind of stuff do you know what I mean moving on swiftly then to your worst day job
0: the worst day job uh, I had was working for again I'm not going to use the name of the company because a lot of stuff has happened in the media since then uh, I don't think they're around anymore but I'm not going to say it. it was doing charity fundraising now a lot of actors working call centers I've done I've worked in my fair share and uh, this, this was awful. It was uh, basically calling people, cold calling people at home to get them to give us their bank details to set up a direct debit to pay for Red Cross, children in need. Or not children in need, sorry, you know, save the children, this kind of thing. And you catch an old woman on the phone going, oh, hello. And you have to give them this big monologue. Then you say, you ask them once to to set up a direct debit and they'll say, genuinely oh sorry I don't have any money I'm, I'm very old but <laughs> so then you have to ask them a third a second time you have to go oh I didn't realise I'm really sorry however and then you have to ask them a second time and if they say no again you have to ask them a third time <gasps> And this is, and you're all being listened to by the supervisor. No. And if you don't ask three times, you get oh, you get bollocks. Even if this is an old woman. And I and I oh, I had a nervous breakdown.
1: I bet you did. In,
0: uh, in, and I did. And I uh, to the point where I was halfway through a shift, I literally looked around and said, "What the hell am I doing?" And I took off my headphones, hung them on the computer, put my coat on, put my bag on. I said, "Neil, what are you doing?" Ignored him, walked out, left the building, never went back. <sighs> uh, and uh, it was there was a great sense of power there, you know. Uh, that I have very newly diagnosed ADHD. Yes. ADHD, And now, believe it or not, possible ASD. Which, ASD is Autism Spectrum Disorder. And um, I didn't know at the time that what yes. I was actually experiencing was a panic attack, which mm. was connected to an undiagnosed mental illness, which I had at the time and still do. Uh, but I didn't know at the time. So uh, that was all very... And that triggered a long period of me not being able to do those kind of jobs and yeah, so that was definitely the worst job, uh, just because you were inhuman. I would say, like a battery farm. When
1: you look back now, is that the first moment that you can remember having one of those panic attacks? Yes. Gosh.
0: That was the first time I did the first time of significance mm. uh, that 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 stopped me being able to do anything. Mm. I mean, that's all in hindsight, but at the time, it's what it is. You felt like you're dying. Mm. <laughs> you know, you, you're scared shitless, and you just have to run, and that's what I did.
1: Well, good for you. I love that, and uh, I love the idea of you putting your taking your headphones off, walking out with Aretha Franklin playing from God knows where, but she's there, and uh, everyone just
0: applauds. It was a, it was a bad it was a bad year for her. She had to get a yeah. job, of course, that know. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was it was in in hindsight, you know, one of the best things happened. But that was one of the worst jobs. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: Well, well done for getting through that because I think for a lot of people, that would have been the moment where they go. I am leaving this entire business and getting a job doing...
0: <laughs> I nearly did. I, I nearly... Did. That was a nearly well a decision. Well done for powering know.
1: through. Could you now tell me, this is my favourite bit, about your weirdest day job?
0: Top two, I would say. Top two weirdest jobs I've ever done. The first one, and this is genuinely true, mm. I used to sell door tile... Uh, sorry, I used to sell roof tiles door to door.
1: Not not door tiles, roof to roof.
0: We tried that. It... <laughs> Yeah, it's, <laughs> it didn't quite pan out. I mean... Uh,
1: Very dangerous. Yeah, yeah.
0: G- Jeff's still can't walk properly. So, <laughs> yeah, basically knock on someone's door. The person would come to the door and you would basically just say, oh, I see you've got roof tiles. Who says that? I don't... Who says, hey, I see you've got roof tiles? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, God. just had just them installed. <laughs> um, so basically you would go in and what you would say to these people, you work, you actually work for the council. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember exactly how the job worked. I just remember that I was going i'm selling fucking roof tiles door, to door this is mental and i remember sat in an old man's front room with my trainer and the old man sure. had the dam busters on so the dam busters on they all black and white film i was sat on a sofa watching the dam busters because yeah. i was learning uh the guy was sat there talking to the old man about roof tiles and I, it's just like what what am i doing where am i do you know how long i did that job two days two days i did that job um The next one is I sold wooden ties.
1: Wooden ties?
0: Wooden ties. Now, this was during my acting period. It was the Christmas markets. Uh, It was on the the South Bank. Yeah. And it was ties. Yes, ties that you wear with a suit made of wood. (laughs) Can I ask a question?
1: Did you, when customers approached, did you go up to them and go, oh, I see you've got a collar there. (laughs) Is that how you would open it?
0: (laughs) Now, I'd say, you want some wood? No, I didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Basically, uh, you had to wear one um, and you could do silly tricks with it and stuff. And I sold a lot. I sold a lot. Who wants a wooden tie? So many people at Christmas want it for Secret Santa. Also, you know, uh, right. John on Channel 4, Snow, John Snow. John Snow always wears funky ties.
1: Yeah.
0: We would sell him three wooden ties every year he would come to the stall, he would buy serious? them and he'd wear them on air. Yeah. He would come every Christmas and he would buy his wooden ties. The other job, which, I, which again, going back in time before I was an actor, but I think it's the, the, the best. It was, I'm a fully trained, fully trained pest control officer.
1: Oh, no. No, you're not. And I
0: trained as well. Yeah, I trained as one. This is genuinely true. I am trained... Or the examination was run by so I had to do like a residency after having a year's experience in the field you then have to go to Bickton College in Devonshire which is a an agricultural college and you get trained for a week two weeks sorry and then you have to do an exam at the end and we were trained by the same person who tell who uh who works for the MOD and tells the SAS what to expect in swamps at different places all over the world He was the same person, so you end up with something called an RSC certificate in pest control and rodent behaviour, which I and
1: rodent behaviour because you have
0: to know you have to go into a flat and you have to kind of go okay, so you have to look for details. It's like it's like it's like being a.
1: A ghostbuster. Stop like
0: being a detective. Oh, a detective, a ghostbuster, yeah, <laughs> a pestbuster. So I did that. So that that was something I did.
1: Neil, this is something for, I never knew long. about you, and this is such it's a cool skill. Seriously, I did not know that. That's really yeah, awesome. done
0: it for a long time. Just, I've done a lot of stuff, and it's all led me to where I am now, I guess.
1: Well, yeah. Do you do you, do you ever, does that ever come in useful when you when you have an acting it come role?
0: in useful like you know halfway through a <laughs> rehearsal going oh, sorry, mouse leave this to me <laughs> just bring out my <laughs> box of tricks.
1: Actually, the places that we always rehearse in, like they're all things. Right. I'm sure that probably like Sherlock Holmes. School, yeah. I
0: see here that he's walked down here. There's a smudge mark along the skirting board. Quick, Watson, fetch me a broom. You know, there's...
1: absolutely. Or there could be a pest control person that turns up turns up at Buckingham Palace in the Crown because they've always got little mice running around. And that'd be fantastic. Do you know what? Look, I'm there. Brilliant. I go.
0: Olivia Coleman. I got this. Don't worry about this scene, love. Yeah. This is mine. So that's that's probably the weirdest job I've ever done, and I did it for a long time.
1: Uh, that wins it. If this was a ranking, you've gone to the top of the leader. Twenty-one. Leader. I was that's fantastic.
0: Twenty-one, and I was a pest control officer for Dover City Council.
1: Oh wow, that's ridiculous. I that whole like sort of trilogy of weird day jobs feels sort of like a mushroom dream that I've just had. Like, I can yeah. see rodents, I can see swamps, I can see wooden ties, and <laughs> I can see roof, roof tiles. Roof on the jump busters. And it's confusing.
0: <laughs> what a vivid dream. <laughs> uh.
1: So they are fantastic day jobs. And how do you manage to stay creative on the side?
0: That's a really good question. And I think during the lockdown, especially, people have felt this pressure mm. to be creative, especially creatives. You feel you have to. Oh no, I've got all this time. You know, the one commodity that we never have is time, and now I've got all this time. Because uh... I'm a stand-up comedian as well, as you as you know. Over the last two years, I've been doing uh, stand-up comedy. I've got some competitions next year. Whether they go ahead, mm. we'll find out. But what I decided to do because I couldn't do overnight nights, I couldn't. There was no acting jobs, as you know. I decided to try and create something that I could put online. So yeah, so I created a kind of. essentially I guess it's like a TV show, but online. Of ridiculous. It's like five minutes long each episode. And they've just existed in its own mm-hmm. kind of little ridiculous world. So anything can happen. But as you've probably seen, I think we're up to, ep- we're up to episode seven, which of course doesn't sound very much, mm-hmm. but the amount of time it takes to write, record, compose the music, edit, everything. It takes a hell of a lot out here. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a reason why there's only seven, but it's amazing. I've learned so many more skills. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've been, been doing. I've learning about filmmaking, writing Also directing, because essentially I'm my own. So you watch yourself on a video as you're you're recording and you know it's not good enough. So you do the next take, you do another take, you do another take, you do another take. So that's basically what I've been doing. I've been learning how to write better, how to capture what I want better. And it's all based on my stand up and bits and bobs that I can't do because Mm. of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, and lots of character comedy, um, because I know that Rick Mm. Mail and Robin Williams are two of your big heroes, aren't they?
0: They are my. They, I think, they are the mm. heroes. Yes, those two. Yeah. Those two mammoths of men. Yes. Yeah. So
1: fingers for fish. Uh, it's on YouTube on Neil Craig's YouTube channel, and I have watched is, every yep. single episode. And you think it can't get weirder, but it always does. And I love it. It's so brilliant.
0: The next one's called about jazz. It's called jazz. It's nearly finished, but I have essentially written three more scripts. So there mm. are three more to to go at some point. I
1: think two of my favourite episodes are birds and chess, and remind me of um, <laughs> the character that I love. With the ch- with the
0: teeth, calcium radish.
1: Calcium radish is the man of my dreams. Yeah. Watch it, guys, so good. Yeah,
0: he he's the chess, he's the chess, chess <laughs> savant. He's the chess aficionado. Yes. He appears in jazz. He's in jazz as well. Yes, it's, uh, it's so, he, he has a bit. Of the it's end, so yeah.
1: clever because you make your own songs and your own yeah you make your own music as well. It's yeah. almost like you know when when you listen I to do, uh, yeah. Adam Buxton's podcast and he's got all the jingles in between. It's kind of that level of ingenuity or, or Mighty Boosh their songs that they come up with is that is really good. Yeah,
0: it. I, but funny enough, like Julian Barrett, he has he does have a musical yeah. background, as That's do sweet. I. So like, I love musical comedy as well. So like, you know you know musical comedians like Bill mm. Bailey and mm. Tim Minchin and things. So uh, also a massive influence for me are the team that do horrible oh, history. So like, who have of course went on to do amazing stuff, and at the moment, Ghosts, which is probably my favourite thing on TV
1: yes and of course Spy Monkey as well who do a lot of music Spy Monkey yeah. as well Yeah,
0: Absol- absolutely yeah. absolutely because the big theatre influences for me my big influences are Charlie Chaplin yeah. Peter Sellers <laughs> Rip Robin Williams oh gosh and Buster Keaton yeah, yeah they're kind of my big
1: brilliant big oh you get all of that and more in Fingers of the Fish it's
0: good fun brilliant good
1: fun. yeah guys if you're listening like make yourself it's that easy <laughs> if you just get you know invest in the right equipment Write your little sketches. You can do it all by yourself, as is shown by the incredible Neil Craig.
0: And I would also say that, that um, it's only over the last few months that I've managed to get some better equipment. Mm. That was only through necessity because I was getting more and more ambitious. Yes. But actually, the, it, I did it quite simply with a shitty old tripod for a phone just my iPhone. So, just iPhone with the with the iPhone mic. No, I didn't have a separate mic. It was all done with that. And it was all done mm-hmm. in the edit. And I got a really good editing software for, for an iPad specifically. Cost a bit of money because you can do so much Ooh. with it and it's so easy oh, to brilliant. do.
1: Brilliant. What is that software called?
0: It's called LumaFusion. Ooh. It's specifically for iPads. You can't Ooh. get it for Mac, which is a shame because it's so, the interface is so wonderful. But everything is done. On, on Lima fusion it's a okay. wonderful wonderful program
1: awesome. and do you have any top tips for saving money or surviving in a city
0: <laughs> now saving money is <laughs> not something i can uh, give any tips about um, unless you when you say saving money do you mean wasting money because buy equipment for things you can money you can't afford is basically my uh my thing um so top tips of saving money not really unfortunately one of the mm. uh, traits of yes. having ADHD is being shit with money yeah so uh, my, my top tip don't have ADHD uh, no um, genuinely right genuinely this is going to sound a bit kind of whimsical but it's but it's something I genuinely believe to survive in London as, a, as an actor is incredibly difficult as any actor that's listening or, is, or we've met will attest yeah it's never easy the, the, the easy part is doing the job it's not easy auditioning because that's a different skill I know actors who are amazing at auditions, terrible actors. Most actors I know are terrible mm-hmm. at auditions, but are just wonderful artists. I would say what you need to do is, is surround yourself with great people. Like the, the cliche thing, is you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. It's yeah. it's never more so than when you're an actor. You, you, basically, I would always say you always surround yourself with creative, funny people who you love the work of, and you can bounce out it. Because you never know. The people in my life now, make me laugh and are very good at their jobs as well so it, it's just it makes it harder to feel alone
1: That's lovely
0: it, it makes it harder to be lonely by surrounding yourself with good people who 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 get it and you're not trying to impress you're not trying to schmooze you up to anybody you know people who care yes. about people who are serious enough about the industry as you are uh, but at the same time don't take themselves too seriously. Or if you take yourself to seriously, that you're more than happy to pull you up on it, which is people do that to me a lot, and I, and, and it's great, and, and that's kind of the biggest thing for me because it's it's London's a dirty, big, big city, beautiful city, my yeah. favourite city in the world.
1: That's a nice new angle though of looking at this because I've been sort of saying surviving in the in the city as a you know purely you know material way, but what you're bringing to this is is mentally surviving um, when the life is so hard it's just surrounding yourself with good friends
0: yeah well often material gain material things are often things that we have no control over because it's if you're choosing to be an actor in london you're not going to have very much money so you you're going to mm. want material things all the time like everybody else so personally you have to try and shift yourself to the material isn't the thing that you're searching for or is important you know it makes life easier and it's nice to have the thing yeah. or, but why would you want to be like anybody else you're an actor your biggest strength is you your biggest strength is no one else is like you Anybody, any audition, you walk into a room, nobody's going to have seen seen anyone like you that day because they're not you. And I think the more you think it's all about being with the right people and feeling good and therefore creating the best work. For me, that's about surviving in London, not about getting things because they're usually out of your control. anyway. Very
1: true. Yeah. And I think also you're um, you're very good at meeting people and making connections, because another thing that we should talk about is that you've written a, a play called The Bedlam Brothers. And that all came about from meeting friends of friends and friends of friends and yes. uh, you hitting it off with them. And this, this play is ready to go. So that's another thing you've, you've managed to do.
0: It is. And we as you know, we were in, we literally started kind of pre-production and rehearsals the very first day, two days before, before the official lockdown came in, that mm. I, we kind of said, you know what, we should stop. <laughs> uh, because we were travelling and obviously spending time with each other and, and in, a, in a very small room yeah. uh, and things. So yeah, so so there's that. But again, it's about yes. just keep working. No work is wasted work. So even if you suddenly have days, where you think, why am I bothering with this? It's shit. It's just like, how can it be wasted yeah. work? Just just read, learn, write, do do it. Yeah. You know, so of
1: I think the lessons we've learned from this is that ADHD really useful for staying creative on the side, not so useful for saving money. But you can't have no. it all. Can't no, have you it can't all.
0: have it all. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I have to, st- the thing is, okay. it's because of restlessness. I have to stay busy. If I don't do anything, I get depressed and anxious. So I have to yeah. keep, m- mo- keep moving. But one of the yes. biggest, <laughs> one of the b- biggest traits of ADHD is procrastination. Mm. And yeah. you will start one project, get bored, start another one, get bored, start another one, get bored. So that's why I end up with like 16 different projects unfinished. So this year's forced yeah. me to kind of try and get things yeah. finished. Just have fun with it don't take it too seriously because like it is serious and it matters a lot to you because it's your work but if you if you're too intense about it you're just going to make yourself ill and you're going to come across you know fraught which i can do at times as you as you
1: yeah neil thank you so much for all of that advice (laughs) um finally what would be your dream job
0: Oh when you sent me this when you sent me this question through I was racking my brain my dream job is doing a bit of everything writing comedy writing plays having being an actor you know getting casting things you know uh, TV you know good stuff doing my comedy as well but and having all these different things just drip feeding bits of m- mm. money in order to create an income for myself that I don't have to think about anything else apart from my work that's mm-hmm. my dream job. Okay. little bit of everything. But if you want a specific thing, horrible histories.
1: Oh, you'd be so good at that.
0: That's my dream job. You could job. be
1: just plucking out of the blue. You could be sort of Francis Drake, for example, <laughs> rapping or, or singing in the style of David Bowie. You'd be so good at all of this stuff.
0: Yeah, so the easy answer is horrible histories. Brilliant. I'd be brilliant.
1: It's Yes, horrible histories is for adults as much as children. I will definitely... Agree with that
0: massively. Yeah, it's, it's so. That's good.
1: fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today, Neil. And fingers um, for fish. Check it out on YouTube. You can also see your stand up online as well.
0: You can. Mm-hmm. That's online. Yeah. Well,
1: well, best of luck with all of these things, and I can't wait for the next series of FFF. <laughs> um, and it's been a joy talking <laughs> talking to you. Any any final you too. thoughts?
0: <laughs> No, stay cool, stay sexy.